This recording is brought to you by Ancient History Encyclopedia. Ancient Egyptian Writing, written by Joshua J. Mark and narrated by Nithin Sill, the producer of the Flashpoint History Podcast. Ancient Egyptian Writing is known as hieroglyphics, sacred carvings, and developed at some point prior to the early dynastic period circa 3150 to 2613 before the Common Era. According to some scholars, the concept of the written word was first developed in Mesopotamia and came to Egypt through trade. While there certainly was cross-cultural exchange between the two regions, Egyptian hieroglyphics are completely Egyptian in origin. There is no evidence of early writings which describe non-Egyptian concepts, places, or objects, and early Egyptian pictographs have no correlation to early Mesopotamian signs. The designation hieroglyphics is a Greek word. The Egyptians referred to their writing as Medu-Najir, the gods' words, as they believed writing had been given to them by the great god Thoth. According to one ancient Egyptian tale, in the beginning of time, Thoth created himself, and in the form of an ibis lay the cosmic egg which held all of creation. In another story, Thoth emerged from the lips of the sun god Ra at the dawn of time, and in another, he was born to the contendings of the gods Horus and Set, representing the forces of order and chaos. In all of these, however, the constant is that Thoth was born with an immense breadth of knowledge, and among the most important, the knowledge of the power of words. Thoth gave human beings this knowledge freely, but it was a responsibility he expected them to take seriously. Words, after all, could hurt, heal, elevate, destroy, condemn, and even raise someone from death to life. Egyptologist Rosalie David comments on this, quote, The main purpose of writing was not decorative, and it was not originally intended for literary or commercial use. Its most important function was to provide a means by which certain concepts or events could be brought into existence. The Egyptians believed that if someone were committed to writing it, it could be repeatedly made to happen by means of magic. End quote. This concept is not as strange as it might first appear. Any writer knows that one often has no idea what one wants to say until the end of the first draft, and every avid reader understands the magic of discovering unknown worlds between the covers of a book and making that magic happen again each time the book is opened. David's reference to concepts or events coming into existence through writing is a common understanding among writers. American author William Faulkner stated in his Nobel Prize address that he wrote, quote, to create out of the materials of the human spirit something which did not exist before, end quote. The same motivation has been expressed in different words by many authors over the centuries, but before any of them even existed, the ancient Egyptians understood this concept well. The great gift of Thoth was the ability not only to express oneself, but to literally be able to change the world through the power of words. Before that could happen, however, before the gift could be put to its full use, it had to be understood. The Creation of Writing However much Thoth had to do with giving humans their system of writing, and to the Egyptians, humanity equaled Egyptian, the ancient Egyptians had to work out for themselves what this gift was and how to use it. Sometime in the latter part of the pre-dynastic period in Egypt, circa 6000 to 3150 BCE, they began to use symbols to represent simple concepts. Egyptologist Miriam Lichtime describes how this early script, quote, was limited to the briefest notations designed to identify a person or a place, an event or a possession. 
Most likely, the earliest purpose writing served was in trade, to convey information about goods, prices, purchases between one point and another. The first actual extant evidence of Egyptian writing, however, comes from the tombs in the form of offering lists in the early dynastic period. Death was not the end of life for the ancient Egyptians. It was only a transition from one state to another. The dead lived on in the afterlife and relied upon the living to remember them and present them with offerings of food and drink. An offering list was an inventory of the gifts due to a particular person and inscribed on the wall of their tomb. Someone who had performed great deeds, held a high position of authority, or led troops to victory in battle were due greater offerings than another who had done relatively little with their lives. Along with the list was a brief epitaph stating who that person was, what they had done, and why they were due such offerings. These lists and epitaphs might sometimes be quite brief, but most of the time they were not and became longer as the practice continued. Lifetime explains, quote, The offering list grew to enormous length till the day on which an inventive mind realized that a short prayer of offerings would be an effective substitute for the unwieldy list. Once the prayer, which may have already existed in spoken form, was put into writing, it became the basic element around which tomb texts and representations were organized. Similarly, the ever-lengthening lists of an official's ranks and titles were infused with life when the imagination began to flesh them out with narration, and the autobiography was born. End quote. The autobiography and the prayer became the first forms of literature in Egypt and were created using the hieroglyphic script. The Development and Use of Hieroglyphic Script Hieroglyphs developed out of the early pictographs. People used symbols, pictures to represent concepts such as a person or event. The problem with a pictograph, however, is the information it contains is quite limited. One may draw a picture of a woman and a temple and a sheep, but has no way of relaying their connection. Is the woman coming from or going to the temple? Is the sheep an offering she's leading to the priests or a gift to her from them? Is the woman even going to the temple at all, or is she merely walking a sheep in the vicinity? Are the woman and the sheep even related at all? The early pictograph writing lacked any ability to answer these questions. The Sumerians of ancient Mesopotamia had already come upon this problem in writing and created an advanced script circa 3200 BCE in the city of Uruk. The theory that Egyptian script developed from Mesopotamian writing is most sharply challenged by this development because if the Egyptians had learned the art of writing from the Sumerians, they would have bypassed this stage of pictograms and begun with the Sumerian creation of phonograms, symbols which represent sound. The Sumerians learned to expand their writing through symbols directly representing that language, so that if they wished to relay some specific information regarding a woman, a temple, and a sheep, they could write, the woman took the sheep as an offering to the temple, and the message was clear. The Egyptians developed the same system, but added logograms, symbols representing words, and ideograms to the script. An ideogram is a sense sign that conveys a certain message clearly through a recognizable symbol. The best example of an ideogram is probably a minus sign. One recognizes that it means subtraction. The emoji is a modern example familiar to anyone acquainted with texting. Placing the image of a laughing face at the end of one sentence lets a reader know that one is joking or finds the subject funny. The phonogram, logogram, and ideogram made up the basis of hieroglyphic script. 
Rosalie David explains, quote, There are three types of phonograms and hieroglyphs, uniliteral or alphabetic signs where one hieroglyph or picture represents a single consonant or sound value, biliteral signs where one hieroglyph represents two consonants, and triliteral signs where one hieroglyph represents three consonants. There are 24 hieroglyphic signs in the Egyptian alphabet, and these are the phonograms most commonly used. But since there was never a purely alphabetic system, these signs were placed alongside other phonograms, either biliterals or triliterals, and ideograms. Ideograms were often placed at the end of the word, spelled out in phonograms, to clarify the meaning of that word, and when used in this way, we refer to them as determinatives. This concept is actually useful in two ways. First, the addition of a determinative helps to clarify the meaning of a particular word, since some words look similar or identical when they're spelled out only in phonograms. And second, because determinatives stand at the end of a word, they can indicate where one word ends and another begins. End quote. A modern-day example of how hieroglyphics were written would be a text message in which an emoji of an angry face is placed after an image of a school. Without having to use any words, one could convey the concept of I hate school or I am angry about school. If one wanted to make one's problem clearer, one could place an image of a teacher or a fellow student before the angry face ideogram or a series of pictures telling a story of a problem one had with a teacher. Determinatives were important in the script, especially because hieroglyphics could be written left to right, right to left, down to up, or up to down. Inscriptions over temple doors, palace gates, and tombs go in whatever direction was best served for the message. The beauty of the final work was that the only consideration that went into it was in which direction the script was meant to be read. Egyptologist Carl Theodor Zauzich notes, quote, The placement of hieroglyphs in relation to one another was governed by aesthetic rules. The Egyptians always tried to group signs in balanced rectangles. For example, the word for health was written with the three consonants S, N, B. But these would not be written in a linear fashion by an Egyptian because the group would look ugly. It would be considered incorrect. The correct writing would be the grouping of the signs into a rectangle. The labor of construction was lightened somewhat by the fact that the individual hieroglyphs could be enlarged or shrunk as the grouping required, and that some signs could be placed either horizontally or vertically. Scribes would even reverse the order of the signs if it seemed that a more balanced rectangle could be obtained by writing them in the wrong order. End quote. The script could always be read by recognizing the direction the phonograms were facing. Images in any inscription always faced the beginning of the line of text. For example, if the text was meant to be read left to right, then the faces of the people, birds, and animals would be looking to the left. These sentences were easy enough to read for those who knew the Egyptian language, but not so much for others. Zauzich notes how nowhere among all the hieroglyphs is there a single sign that represents the sound of a vowel. Vowels were placed in a sentence by the reader who understood the spoken language. Zauzich continues, quote, This is less complicated than it sounds. For example, any of us can read an advertisement that consists almost entirely of consonants. End quote. 
In the same way, the ancient Egyptians would be able to read hieroglyphic script by recognizing what letters were missing in a sentence and applying them. Other scripts. Hieroglyphics were comprised of an alphabet of 24 basic consonants which could convey meaning, but over 800 different symbols to express that meaning precisely, all of which had to be memorized and used correctly. Zazich answers the question which may immediately come to mind. Quote, it may well be asked why the Egyptians developed a complicated writing system that used several hundred signs when they could have used their alphabet of some 30 signs and made their language much easier to read and write. This puzzling fact probably has a historical explanation. The one consonant signs were not discovered until after the other signs were in use. Since by that time the entire writing system was established, it could not be discarded for specific religious reasons. Hieroglyphics were regarded as a precious gift of Thoth, the god of wisdom. To stop using many of these signs and to change the entire system of writing would have been considered both a sacrilege and an immense loss, not to mention the fact that such a change would make all the older texts meaningless in a single blow. End quote. Even so, hieroglyphics were obviously quite labor-intensive for a scribe, and so another faster script was developed shortly thereafter known as hieratic, or sacred writing. Hieratic script used characters which were simplified version of hieroglyphic symbols. Hieratic appeared in the early dynastic period in Egypt after hieroglyphic writing was already firmly developed. Hieroglyphics continued to be used throughout Egypt's history in all forms of writing, but became primarily the main script of monuments and temples. Hieroglyphics, grouped into their beautifully formed rectangles, lent themselves to the grandeur of monumental inscriptions. Hieratic came to be first used in religious texts, but then in other areas such as business administration, magical texts, personal and business letters, and legal documents such as wills and court records. Hieratic was written on papyrus or astraca and practiced on stone and wood. It developed into a cursive script around 800 BCE known as abnormal hieratic and then was replaced in 700 BCE by demotic script. Demotic script or popular writing was used in every kind of writing while hieroglyphics continued to be the script of monumental inscriptions in stone. The Egyptians called demotic she-shat, or writing for documents, and it became the most popular for the next thousand years in all kinds of written works. Demotic script seems to have originated in the Delta region of Lower Egypt and spread south during the 26th dynasty of the Third Intermediate Period, circa 1069 to 525 BCE. Demotic continued in use through the late period of ancient Egypt, circa 525 to 332 BCE, and the Ptolemaic dynasty, 332 to 30 BCE, into the Roman period of Egypt, when it was replaced by Coptic script. Coptic was the script of the Copts, Egyptian Christians who spoke Egyptian dialects but wrote in a Greek alphabet with some additions from Demotic script. Since the Greek language had vowels, the Copts incorporated them into their script to make the meaning clear to anyone reading it, no matter what their native language. Coptic script was used to copy and preserve a number of important documents, most notably the books of the Christian New Testament, and also served to provide the key to later generations for the understanding of hieroglyphics. Loss and Discovery 
It has been argued that the meaning of hieroglyphics was lost through the later periods of Egyptian history as people forgot how to read and write the symbols. Actually, hieroglyphics were still in use as late as the Ptolemaic dynasty and only fell out of favor with the rise of the new religion of Christianity during the early Roman period. There were lapses throughout the country's history in the use of hieroglyphics, but the art was not lost until the world the script represented changed. As Coptic script continued to be used in the new paradigm of Egyptian culture, hieroglyphic writing faded into memory. By the time of the Arab invasion of the 7th century CE, no one living in Egypt knew what the hieroglyphic inscriptions meant. When the European nations began exploring the country in the 17th century CE, they had no more of an idea that the hieroglyphs were a written language than the Muslims had. In the 17th century CE, hieroglyphs were firmly claimed to be magical symbols, and this understanding was primarily encouraged through the work of the German scholar and polymath Athanasius Kircher. Kircher followed the lead of ancient Greek writers who had also failed to understand the meaning of hieroglyphs and believed that they were symbols. Taking their interpretation as fact instead of conjecture, Kircher insisted on an interpretation where each symbol represented a concept, much in the way the modern peace sign would be understood. His attempts to decipher Egyptian writing failed, therefore, because he was operating from a wrong model. Many other scholars would attempt to decipher the meaning of the ancient Egyptian symbols without success between Kircher's work and the 19th century. Even when it seemed as though the symbols suggested a certain pattern, such as one would find in a writing system, there was no way of recognizing what those patterns translated to. In 1798 CE, however, when Napoleon's army invaded Egypt, the Rosetta Stone was discovered by one of his lieutenants who recognized its potential importance and had it sent to Napoleon's Institute for Study in Cairo. The Rosetta Stone is a proclamation in Greek, hieroglyphic and demotic from the reign of Ptolemy V, 204 to 181 BCE. All three texts relay the same information in keeping with the Ptolemaic ideal of a multicultural society. Whether one read Greek, hieroglyphic, or demotic, one would be able to understand the message on the stone. Work on deciphering hieroglyphics with the help of the stone was delayed until the English defeated the French in the Napoleonic Wars and the stone was brought from Cairo to England. Once there, scholars set about trying to understand the ancient writing system but were still working with the earlier understanding Kircher had so convincingly advanced. The English polymath and scholar Thomas Young, 1773 to 1829 CE, came to believe that the symbols represented words and that the hieroglyphs were closely related to demotic and later Coptic scripts. His work was built upon by his sometimes colleague, sometimes rival, the philologist and scholar Jean-Francois Champollion, 1790 to 1832 CE. Champollion's name is forever linked with the Rosetta Stone and the decipherment of hieroglyphs because of the famous publication of his work in 1824 CE, which conclusively showed that Egyptian hieroglyphs were a writing system composed of phonograms, logograms, and ideograms. Contention between Young and Champollion over who made the more significant discoveries and who deserves the greater credit is reflected in the same ongoing debate in the present day by scholars. It seems quite clear, however, that Young's work lay the foundation on which Champollion was able to build. 
but it was Champollion's breakthrough which finally deciphered the ancient writing system and opened up Egyptian culture and history for the world. This recording was brought to you by Ancient History Encyclopedia, a nonprofit organization. If you want to support our work, you can support us on Patreon by following the link below. To read more articles on ancient history, please visit www.ancient.eu. And if you're interested in historical podcasting, please visit Flashpoint History on iTunes or Google Play.